you have to really do some positive self-talk to get yourself revved up to have that conversation. And I think it's super difficult for people no matter what stage they're in because asking for more is, it's scary. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that empowers professional women to rise. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And in this show, I take you undercover into the stories and lessons that I learned, sometimes the hard way, throughout my career. I also talk with working women, leaders, and coaches to show you that no matter what your struggle is and no matter what your career goals are, you already have all the talent that you need to succeed. So when we talk about job interviews and finding jobs, a lot of times we focus on things like your resume and which jobs you're going to apply for and how are you going to prepare for your interviews and then what is your plan for salary in terms of what you're going to ask for and how you're going to handle that conversation. And those are all incredibly important ingredients. But what we don't often talk about is all of the mental stuff (laughs) that we are dealing with as we are going through that process. So the process of applying and interviewing can be really tough. The employer is essentially sizing you up and that can test your self-confidence and it can be mentally and emotionally difficult. And when you find a job that you really, really want and the interview is over, you're essentially waiting for the employer to choose you and say, I do and say, I want you. And, you know, waiting for that and all the uncertainty around that can be scary and it can it can feel not good sometimes. And then and then if you do get the job, it goes into a conversation about salary, which, according to my research, a.k.a. me asking random people, (laughs) is not something most people enjoy doing. And in fact, some people hate doing it. So there's a lot there. And that's why I'm super excited for you to hear my conversation with Shay. Shay is just like me, so she works in corporate America just like I do. But on the side, she also helps women apply for their first or second jobs. And in this conversation, we talk about some of the challenges she's encountered, job searching in her own career, and how she helps other women get over those challenges. And we talk all about the mental stuff and the insecurities and and all the things that can come up as you're going through the job interview process. And Shay also gives Lots of tactical tips, too, on things like resumes and how to find the right positions to apply for and things like that. So there's a ton to learn here. Her stories are so much fun. I enjoyed them so much. I am super excited to introduce to you Shay Odell Scott. My name is Shay Odell Scott, and my career journey started, I guess, in college. I studied fashion merchandising. And the reason that I picked that to study is because I've always been a little more inclined to creative things, but not all in creative. So it was a little mix of fashion and business and creative and a little bit left, right brain, all of that. And the other, the bigger reason I picked it is because my dream was to move to New York City. And that was my dream since I was a little girl. And I figured with fashion, that would get me there no matter what, or at least force me to get there if I you know, was dragging my feet a little bit towards the end. 
So that's what I did, but it was definitely a challenge to get there. I graduated in May and it basically took me until the following February to get a job. And for most of that time, I was sitting at my parents' kitchen table applying for jobs all day long. I was working part-time at the mall, trying to figure things out. And it was a definitely really hard time in my life. But looking back, one of my biggest teaching times too. And tell us what you do today, both your kind of day job and some of the other stuff that you also do on the side. Yeah. So I eventually got a job by moving to New York without one. And that was in February. Actually, it was in the end of January. It was so cold. It was one of the coldest New York winters. I was all by myself with one suitcase. I didn't know anybody didn't have a job. But luckily, I got one. I found my first job actually on Craigslist. And it was pretty scary going to the interview. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get murdered. But I didn't get murdered. (laughs) And it was a real job. And it was in the accessories industry, specifically sunglasses. So I was using my degree. And in 2013, it was kind of a big deal to use your degree in your field and have a job. And I felt really lucky and really grateful for the opportunity. So I did that for a couple of years. And then I worked in apparel for a couple of years, all in product development. That's a fashion industry term, but that's kind of the job that works in between the buyers and manufacturers and the designers. So you're kind of the middleman arranging everything from the kind of big picture. So that's what I did. I Then I went back to sunglasses and now I'm doing a little bit of something different. I've just started something in the interior design industry. So that's a little bit of a change, but still using those same kind of core skills. So that's exciting. And on the side from my nine to five, I do career coaching and I focus on recent graduates or young people getting their first or maybe second job is kind of my specialty and just really walking them through everything from the creating their resume, looking for which job to apply to, actually sending in their application and talking them through the phone, the first phone interview, the first in-person interview, all the follow-up with HR, all of the hoops you jump through to actually end up at a desk someday on your on your first day, or you know, maybe it's not a desk, but getting actually into <laughs> your first day of work because so much happens between even sending in your application and accepting your offer. Like there's negotiating, there's navigating benefits and vacation and helping people who have never done that before um, can be it can be a little bit tricky if you've never navigated all of the murky waters of human resources and benefits and all of that. So it's been really fun. I can tell by hearing you talk about it now and when we talked earlier that it it's very close to your heart. It's very clear to me that it's it something is. that you love. I would love to hear more about that. Yeah. Well, it comes from my personal experience for sure. I wish that I would have had somebody telling me what I was doing wrong when I was sitting at my parents' kitchen table applying for hundreds of jobs. Probably 80% of those jobs I shouldn't have even applied for because I had no idea what titles I should be looking for for entry level or um, how to kind of filter out jobs that had been posted for maybe already three months and I'm just wasting my time applying. It's still lives on the internet somewhere, but it's not actually an up-to-date job that is still open. So all of those little things that you pick up over time from just being in the industry and just working and being also on the other side, hiring people or working with a team to hire people to add to your team, 
you learn what to look out for. And I think having somebody on your side helping you when you go through that is so important, especially at a very vulnerable point when like you've graduated or, you know, you're ready to get that first like air quotes, real air quotes job, you know, and really do something in a new industry or a new profession. It can be so hard. And a lot of people too don't have somebody that they can turn to. I helped someone recently who told me she she told me that neither of her parents had gone to college and they didn't know really how to guide her through those next steps after she graduated college because from their perspective it's like she has the piece of paper she has the degree she should be good to go but the job landscape is so different everybody seems to have a bachelor's degree these days and you really have to kind of do more legwork to set yourself apart in the application process so yes it's it's super close to my heart and I really I think emotionally it can be such a hard time too so I try to support people on that end as well. That's really what I'm super interested. I mean, there's so many things we could talk about because I feel like job search is so multifaceted. There are so many steps, but I think the mental and emotional part of looking for jobs and interviewing is not something that's always talked about. So I'm really curious to hear what you've seen and what you've learned in helping people and what perspective that's given you on how some of our insecurities and our fears and areas where we're lacking confidence kind of can come up in that process? Yes, it's such a good question. I'm so glad that you want to talk about it because I love talking about this too. But looking for a job, you're basically, you're dealing with like some of the biggest questions come up, like what's my life's purpose, money, that's just huge for so many different levels, like actually money, you need it but how much you think you're worth and how much someone else thinks you're worth and where those meet or don't meet, that's a huge trigger area or one that can bring up a lot of baggage for people too. So I think just those two points alone, even if you're applying for something that you don't feel like it's changing the world or you don't think it's necessarily like your life's purpose, it still is going to be your life's purpose for a set hour amount of hours every day. So you have to on some degree come to terms with it. And I think that can really bring up a lot for people and anything involving money that just brings up self-worth and how you see yourself and also how the world reflects that back to you with how much they want to pay you. So it can be so emotional. How do you help people with some of the mental baggage and struggle around money and salary? And and how do you help them get comfortable navigating that? Because that's been one of yeah. something very challenging for me, I know. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a challenge for me too. It can be a little bit easier when it's your very first job because what you can get paid depending on your industry and the job is a little bit more set. So I think it's actually a really good practice for people because there might be a little room to negotiate, but you don't have much to go on because you've just graduated, you don't really have experience, you don't have true industry recommendations or anything. So it's it's a really good practice because there's only so much you can really get. And I think this really helps people in the future know what they're worth. Like I had somebody recently who negotiated a $5,000 little bump in salary and that's huge for your first job. I mean, that's like a really big percentage. And I think that will stay with her and she will know that she can always 
ask for more. And also I think it helps to have the experience of saying, hey, I have this experience, even if it's in school or even if it's a project, even if it's an internship and say, I'm really going to bring this to the table. What do you think about meeting at you know X salary? And even just saying that, even if they say no, you're really putting yourself out there and it's a growing opportunity whether the answer is a yes or a no. Getting to that point is hard though. I mean, you have to really, really do some positive self-talk to get yourself revved up to have that conversation. And I think it's super difficult for people no matter what stage they're in because asking for more is, it's scary. It is scary. And I think that it's something that can be difficult for women in particular. (laughs) I would want people to know that that's very normal and there's nothing wrong with the fact that it is hard because a lot of the advice that I got around negotiation it was helpful, but sometimes it made me feel worse because then I was like, oh, well, I have the tools, but like, I still don't feel like I can do it because I'm still really scared to do it. Yeah. Yes. I think there's some sort of statistic out there. And I send this article to um, the women that I help when they're about to have this conversation, because I think this, the number is like 7% of women negotiate versus like 53% of men. It's something like that, which is still even low for men, but it really goes to show that not that many people do do negotiate, but 7% is a pretty low number. And with all of the talk about the, you know, the wage gap, like all of that, it's like, you have to think that that comes into play women being paid less overall. Well, if you're not asking to be paid more, then you have to kind of take a little bit of responsibility there for yourself to ask to be paid more. And I think it helps motivate people to have the conversation, even though it's hard. And even though the answer is a lot of times the answer is no, but it's still good to practice. I love that you say that. And I I love how you talked about the fact that there's power in asking because that really does show you once you do it, that you can do it again and again and again. For a lot of women too, when they are negotiating their salary for their first job, or even when they're getting paid their salary for their first job, I think it's such an important time for women to spend their money in a way that's kind of like voting with your dollars and getting your first job, getting your first paycheck, getting your first salary. It's really empowering. And whether you negotiated that salary or not, you still are going to get paid for your job and how you spend your money for a lot of, a lot of women. It's the first time they have their very own money with no strings attached. And I think that can be really, really empowering for a lot of people too. I agree. And I think it's something that's good to talk about more because I think that a lot of us are still figuring this out, still yeah. figuring out the salary thing and the money yeah. thing and how it all fits together for us. For sure. I totally agree. One person said something that really, really, really stuck with me. She said, like, are you going to really give up this much in dollar amount to avoid having like seven conversations throughout your career? Just yeah. like zoom out and see what that looks Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Because all of that compounds over time too. It's all of those conversations, but then if you're getting paid less and then your next job, if they base that salary off of your first salary and that's less, all of that compounds. And if you had been paid a little bit more in each job, you can see, like you said, how much you're missing out on by not having the conversation. But it's still tricky. It's still a hard conversation. And I wouldn't say that it gets easier over time. (laughs) Not to be discouraging, but really getting yourself revved up to have that first one 
is going to help you build the muscle to do it again and again, because in some cases it can get more difficult. Yeah, absolutely. But it's worth it. And I think the feeling of seeing that it's like when you see that you can control what, what you get, it's this feeling of like, oh, I take a step forward and something comes to me. I think that's such an important feeling for women to really feel deeply. Yeah, I totally agree. Another thing that I wanted to talk with you about is the job interview process because it's a two-way dialogue, but there's definitely a component there of selling ourselves, right? You're talking about what you're good at and that can get really tricky because first of all, it's like, okay, well, what do they want me to say that I'm good at? What are they looking for? And then what do I truly believe that I'm good at? And then what are the things I'm afraid that I'm not good at? And there's all this like mental stuff (laughs) behind just like prepping those bullets. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that. It's, It's a really fun thing to talk about because there's so much we could get into. But I think it's true that women do have a hard time talking about, we have a hard time talking about ourselves in a positive way. And if we're asked to rate our skill on something from a scale of one to 10, I feel like this is not backed up by anything. This is purely my feeling. I feel like women are more likely to rate themselves lower than men would be. It can be hard for women to quantify that way, how we're good at things. But I think there's other ways to show strengths. I don't think you need to go into an interview and be like, I'm amazing at this, I'm amazing at this, and I'm amazing at this. I think you can really go in and take more of a quiet approach that's still really powerful. I think being conversational in interviews is a really nice way to relate to somebody, but also show your skills. And there's a lot of little tricks that can help you in an interview. One thing that I use with some clients is creating a story that you have about yourself. Because I think sometimes we get caught in our negative story, like, oh, I'm, a, I'm applying for this job, but I'm not fully qualified. And I'm interviewing and I have to kind of fake it because I'm not fully qualified. But you can change the story that you tell yourself. You can come up with a new angle too. Like if you're applying for a job and you're truly not 100% qualified, but you think you could definitely learn the skills and do the job, then change the angle of the story to be like, well, yeah, I'm not a traditional fit for this job, but I have all of these great skills that I can bring to the table. And I have this experience and this experience to draw from. And I think I really bring a unique perspective to this job. And that's the story that you tell yourself. And I think that can help too. Like I had a client recently who she was applying for a job she was super qualified for. And we had a phone call to prep for the interview. And she felt like she wasn't qualified. That whole imposter syndrome was kicking in a little bit. And we really talked it through. And I was telling her based on she had an internship in the same industry. And I was saying, look at all of the skills that you have from this internship. And then look at the job description again. You've done every single thing on this list. So your story needs to be, you've done it already. You've worked really hard to get to where you are. And you are going to be able to jump right into this job and hit the ground running. And that's your story. And you can tie your story back into any interview question that gets a little tricky. If you have that little like three sentence theme, that's what I call like your story. I think you can, that can be the anchor of your interview and it's always positive and confident and it can really anchor any question. It's so interesting to me. This example is super interesting to me because 
she literally had all the things. Yeah, like, it did. sounds like she literally checked every box. And I think it just goes to show that a lot of what we feel is not really grounded in reality. It's so <laughs> true. And I think you're absolutely right. And I think a lot of that comes from inside. But I think there's a big message out there too, especially to young people that, oh, you're lucky if you even get a job and the job market's so difficult, unemployment's so high. I feel like that is a message that people receive. I know I even kind of received it when I graduated from my school. They were kind of like, yeah, good. Like if you get a job, great. Like you're one of the lucky ones. And I think that's kind of a sentiment that is just out there. People think that they're up against this big challenge. Like getting a job is this huge, is like the tiny little target in the bullseye and you're lucky if you hit it. So I think trying to kind of push that aside and really just focusing on what you want and your skills and trying to put everybody else's opinions and all those crazy stats aside, I think that's important too. Absolutely. Yeah. It's easy to get caught up in that and have that narrative playing in the back of your head and it'll show up throughout the process. Right. Do you see clients who get nervous going into interviews and like get nerves and butterflies around it? Yeah, for sure. And I think there's things you can do to help that. Obviously, practice. Practice like the typical interview questions, like where you see yourself in five years, what's your weakness, what's your strength. Have those kind of in your back pocket for sure because you never know when an interview is going to go in that like super traditional (laughs) trajectory. Um, I think little things like making sure you know where you're going if people are really nervous, like I'm a really nervous driver and like with directions or if I'm going to a new place, I'm like, oh, I need to leave so much extra time. Like I'll miss a turn and then I'll like get so lost and turned around. So if people are nervous like that, I'm just like, go really early, find a coffee shop across the street, sit down so you can just walk right over. Or if you're commuting, practice the trains, know what bus to take. Even like practice going to the office if it's a new area the day before or something. I think that can be helpful. People are a lot of people are really worried about the logistics, like sleeping through their alarm, missing the interview. I mean, that can be huge. So it's like have a friend call you, make sure you're awake. Little things like that that you can do to just give yourself a peace of mind. And then in the interview, obviously people are nervous for the actual interview. One thing that I think really helps is to research your interviewer. It's so easy now to look people up on LinkedIn. You can find out so much. Go on LinkedIn, find out kind of where they are in their career, what kind of level they're at. So you know, because you're going to interview differently with a 35-year-old woman versus a 60-year-old man. So you need to be prepared. What kind of interview do you think it's going to be? A lot of times with interviews, you know, you're doing like a few back-to-back sometimes, especially Um, as it gets towards the later stages. And so you're going to have like a mix of characters, right? Yeah. I feel like with those formats, the odds of like having one bad apple in the mix who like kind of makes you feel crappy about yourself gets higher and higher. What would you, you know, like what would you say to someone? They're like having a good run. Interview one went great. Interview two went great. And then they're on the middle one and then they still have a few more to go. And this it doesn't go well. Like how do you quickly bounce back and like stay in the game? It's so tricky because you run into that for sure. And I know people who have had like the craziest interview questions. Um, one, one of my friends was asked what where they see themselves in five years. And he gave like a pretty good answer, you know, something like, oh, you know, running or something good. And he <laughs> found out from that interviewer that 
what they were looking for was something really out there, like climbing Mount Everest. That's what they were looking for to answer that question. And <laughs> it really tripped him up in the middle of the interview cycle because like you said, he had made it through. Um, so yeah, you're completely right. You can run into people who are looking for such a specific answer and you can't you can't please everyone. You have to remember that because of course, where you see yourself in five years, there's unlimited answers to that question. And there's a ton of really good ones, but sometimes you meet somebody in an interview and they have one answer in mind and that is the only acceptable answer. So I guess I would say just you have to just do your best, especially if you're on the momentum of having a couple of good interviews and sometimes you do get stuck in the middle, but a lot of times interviewing is really collaborative and a lot of people's opinions matter if you're going to be on a, a bigger team or working with a bunch of different departments. So uh, if you get stuck with a bad interview in the middle of the process, you just have to try to stay positive. It's such an obnoxious answer. Stay positive, but it's all, <laughs> it's all you can do. You know, write mm-hmm. the thank you email, send it off, cross your fingers and hope you make it to the next round. Try not to let the, that interview get in your head and kind of mess up the next one. Just try to coast off of the momentum of your good ones that you had been having before. That Mount Everest thing is really strange. Isn't like, that I'm, so like, wild? I'm, I don't see the connection. I think it was like a small tech startup. So it was really just, they. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice too. Yeah. And I'm sure there are times when it feels to the interviewee like the interview did not go well and it actually went really well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Sometimes if you're so nervous and you're all you are just focused on answering the next one and answering the next one, you'll come out of it and you'll you'll be like, I blacked out. I can't remember anything. I can't remember what they thought, their impression. Mm -hmm. If you just are so nervous and so focused, sometimes you're leaving and you don't really have a good impression of how it went. But a lot of times that means you were really focused and it went well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's, well, especially like when you're doing back-to-backs, I feel like you, your brain can yeah. get completely fried. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. There's so much involved in the process. You're like, okay, I have to send a thank you email to this person and then I'm interviewing this person. I have to email them to schedule the next one. And that can be a lot for people too. It's like interviewing can be feel like a full-time job. What I was actually going to ask you, for people who aren't in job search mode and people who are just, you know, for the time being happy with their current position, do you have any tips or advice that they should be thinking about so that when that time comes, they have certain things in place? Yeah, that's a really good question. I guess all of the basic stuff, like keep your resume, you know, semi-updated, keep in good contact with people that you can use as references in the future, keep your LinkedIn, you know, up to date. But I I guess one thing I think can be helpful, even if you're not searching, is just to have a good answer to the question, what do you do when you meet people in a social setting and in, in any setting? Because you have to have a way to explain what your job is to people outside of your industry who might not really understand the day-to-day of what you do. But just having like a three-sentence, simple, but interesting answer to that is something that everybody should have on hand. You never know if that could lead to networking or if you might have something really in common with somebody that you meet. And I think it's good just to practice saying what you do because in an interview, people are going to ask you what you did in your last job. And if you practice saying it in a way that is more colloquial, people get it. It's not using all this industry lingo. I think I think that's good. 
Yeah, that's a really good tip. It can be so hard to talk about what we do because it can be really hard to explain what we do. It can. And sometimes, like I've had this experience, I'm like, everybody I know, there was definitely a time, everybody I know works in fashion, all my friends, just everybody. And so I didn't really have to worry about explaining what it actually is that I do. I could just use the like industry jargon and they're like, oh yeah, we, we get it. But then when you find yourself in another circle and somebody asks you what you do, you're like, they don't understand any of the words I'm saying. And it's totally not their fault. So I think it's good just to have a way to relate to people outside your industry. Yeah. And then you get more comfortable with your story. You internalize it. So when interview time rolls around, it doesn't feel like you have to construct this thing from scratch. Exactly. And like explain what the job title or the, you know, specific lingo is in like a really awkward fumbling way to, to a recruiter and HR person. I think it's good practice. That's really helpful. I think I'm going to move into the listener question if you feel Ooh, ready yay. for it. Okay, cool. For sure. I'm going to read you the question and then I'm going to give you the floor to talk directly to the listener. Oh my gosh. Okay. You I'm ready. ready. Okay. I'm excited. Yeah. So the listener says, this is my first time proactively searching for my next job and it is so exhausting. The buildup as I get closer to getting an offer followed by the disappointment when the offer doesn't come through is starting to destroy my drive and confidence. Should I take a break or keep plugging along? How do I stay confident in interviews after all of these rejections? Sincerely, tired of searching. Oh my gosh. Well, tired of searching. I am so sorry. That is absolutely a tough place to be in. And I totally understand. I've been there. That's a big part of my inspiration is just nonstop searching and what you have to do to get past that hurdle. And I guess I would start off with a couple of pieces of just practical advice because maybe we need to do a little troubleshooting. So sometimes people get stuck because they're applying to jobs that are old, old postings. So you're not hearing anything back. And a lot of people use Indeed and there's a little there's a way to filter on Indeed for jobs posted in the last, I think they have like 10 days a week. You can put in the amount of days you want manually. That's a really good way to filter when you're searching to apply. That way you save yourself so much heartache and time for applying to a job that has little 30 plus days old next to it, which is how Indeed has it. And you might find the perfect job and it's been up for three months and you know it's filled and they just didn't take it down for some reason. So that can really help just cut the jobs that are kind of off the table already that can help cut that down. And I think another thing people get stuck is if your resume doesn't have the right keywords to trigger the whole applicant tracking system, which is the computerized system that filters out all the resumes. If your resume isn't pulling in those right keywords for the jobs you're applying to, you might not hear back or you might hear back from jobs that aren't, maybe you applied, but it wasn't at the top of your list. So then you're in the interview and it's just not quite the right fit. So I would tell people in this situation, take another look at your resume, make sure it's really speaking to those job descriptions for those jobs you really want. That way you'll hopefully trigger a response email for those jobs. And then in the interview, you'll find yourself in a position where you're interviewing for something that you're super pumped about and you're qualified for. And then I guess the last thing is sometimes you might find yourself sending like a more generic cover letter to all the jobs. And I found that the cover letter is becoming more important than ever. I think 
a lot of companies seem to really be hiring for a personality and they're really looking for the right person and the right fit. And I, I've seen this across a couple industries really, I think it's a kind of a, a new thing that's happening just with the job market and companies looking to create more of a culture and not just a place to go to work. So I think that really makes the cover letter so much more important than it's ever been before. And I think if you send in a really good cover letter, you'll find yourself in the right interview because if you're getting the interview, but then you're having trouble with it kind of going through or going through to to the next step, it might be because you're not finding yourself in the right interview because of those kind of logistical things that I mentioned. But if you feel like you're just interviewing and you're just not getting anywhere and you're getting so frustrated, first of all, so sorry. Like my heart totally goes out to you because I've absolutely been there and it can be really hard to stay confident after being turned down, you know, time and time again. Some people do find that if they take a little break, you know, even just a week off of applying and just clear their head, that can really help. Some people, it's better to just keep plugging forward, feeling like you're still putting stuff out there. But I think that if you find yourself really in a position where it's just not happening, you have to take a few steps back and you need to do something different, whether that's your resume, cover letters, the jobs you're applying to, you just have to, if nothing's catching, you have to take an take another look at what you're doing because you're going to need to try a new strategy. Thank you so much. There was so much good stuff in there. I didn't even know about the keyword thing actually. Is Are there places to learn more about that? Yes. It's so crazy. So it's called the ATS or the Applicant Tracking System. And it is, yeah, it's a computer system that pulls out keywords in your resume and a lot of the big companies use it. So it's sort of like it's sort of like SEO for your resume. You have to make sure that the right words are popping so that it triggers in the system. And if you just do a simple Google search, you can learn a lot about it. And it's kind of, there's a lot out there and there's things that are like, if you have too many graphics on your resume, it, will, it won't trigger past it. And I don't know how much of that is true, but definitely trying to incorporate things from the job description into your resume can really help be helpful. So if you're applying for some sort of like social media manager job, making sure that you're listing out all of the things that you know how to do. So you're writing the word Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, WordPress, you're writing all of that down. You can't just say, oh, I'm an expert across all social media platforms because they might have it flagged that they want applicants who are good at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and those specific words need to be pulled out. So it's kind of, it can be kind of redundant. Like people are like, do I really have to write that I have Microsoft Excel at this point? And it's like, you do, you have to, because sometimes those systems will only pull out people who want Excel if they have that flagged. Sometimes you still have to put in Microsoft Word or PowerPoint. At this point, I'm like PowerPoint, like they teach that in school, like everyone knows PowerPoint, but you have to still write Microsoft PowerPoint because sometimes they might be picking that they want somebody who has PowerPoint. So you have to put it on your resume. It sounds like the job description can give you clues. Yes, exactly. So that is another reason too, why if you're finding that you're not hearing back or you find yourself just in in interviews that you don't think are the right ones, they were maybe you applied for the job, but it wasn't the top of your list. It can really help to tailor 
each resume to each job you apply to. And that is so time consuming. And I totally understand that people want to have one resume that they send to everybody. And that does work in some situations if you're applying to a lot of really similar jobs, but really tailoring your resume to each job you apply to with those keywords to make it relevant for the description can make a huge difference. I learned something new today that I did not know about. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, absolutely. I looked at somebody's resume recently who it was a really cool resume. She had all of the icons for the different programs that she used and it looked amazing. But I told her, you have to write the word somewhere because it's so cool that you can use SolidWorks. But number one, an HR person looking at your resume doesn't know the logo for SolidWorks. Number two, the applicant tracking system can't do anything with that logo. You have to have the word in. So yeah, it makes a huge difference. Thank you so much. That was really, really helpful. For sure. Before we get to the closing questions, I wanted to ask you where people can find you or get in touch with you if they want to chat more. For sure. So you can find me at my website. It's goyouguide.com. Everything's spelled out just like just like normal. And then Instagram at goyouguide. And you can also email me at hello at goyouguide.com. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And now for the last couple of questions, which are my favorite questions to ask that I ask everyone. (laughs) Oh, are are you okay to answer them? Do you want me to give you a heads up on what they are? Okay. No, no, I'm ready. I (laughs) I actually think you'll do a really beautiful job. So so the first question is based around the title of the podcast. So the podcast is called The Art of Speaking Up. So I love to ask every interviewee what speaking up means to them and why they think it's important. It could connect to what we're talking about, could be broader, whatever feels right to you. Oh, such a good question. Hmm. Well, I guess I would say speaking from personal experience, being a more quiet, tending to be a more introverted person, I think that there are different ways to make your voice heard effectively. You don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. I know for me in like a work setting or a more corporate setting, if you're in a meeting and things are getting really heated, really emotional, I think that a strategy that works for me is to wait until people settle down a little bit. And then one thing that I do is I ask for the floor. So I'll say something like, can I say something? And that really, that works for me because I struggle with being interrupted a lot in those situations, but I find that if I ask to speak, it helps reduce the interruption a little bit. And then I, I try to find a more quiet time to say what I need to say in the meeting. And that works pretty well. I think that a lot of people struggle with that. If things are getting heated and people are all over the place, shouting out suggestions and ideas And I find that my voice never gets heard if I try to jump in that way. So that's something that helps me. And if you're just talking about speaking up in more of a general way too, they say like actions speak louder than words. And I think that can be true. Like you might suggest something at work or in like a professional setting and it might get turned down right away. But sometimes it can be better to just start doing it and people will be more open to checking it out or incorporating it into like an everyday, you know, whatever it is, routine or, or program or something. I think those are two things that I've incorporated into my life with being heard 
it depends too on the personalities that you're working with. But if you're working with people who aren't as open to listening, it can help to just start doing something and then wait for the response to be good. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm so happy that you shared that about yourself and uh, that you kind of, you offered an alternative solution to just being louder because it can be very difficult and alienating for people who don't have that communication style to feel like that's the only way to get heard. Yeah. And it's something that I definitely practice. I'm still struggle with it. And it changes with every setting and every group that you work with. But, you know, I worked with a lot of of really aggressive New Yorkers, and I'm not an aggressive <laughs> New Yorker at, at my core. So that's kind of my evolutionary answer to that is just to say, hey, can I say something? Because I think it is important to insert your opinion, especially sometimes in situations where different departments are all working together. And maybe you feel a little bit shy or a little bit intimidated to speak up. But if you're truly the person that represents a big part of the equation and you need to represent your department or you're part of a project, you have to speak up because it's your job. So if you're feeling overwhelmed like I do, like I do in these situations, you just say, oh, hey, can I, can I add something? And some people might say it's obnoxious to like always ask for permission to talk in that way, but I think it can help in situations like that. Or if you tend to get interrupted a lot, which... I feel like I get talked over and interrupted a lot. So then some it might trigger somebody else to be like, oh, she has to say something. So give her a second. So that can help. I think it's it depends on your personality. Thank you for being an example of another way to do things. That makes me so happy. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm so glad. If I'd heard you say that at like 24 or 25, I would have been like, ooh, I'm going to try that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it can be helpful. And you're right too. Like it can be helpful to do that when you're younger and you're starting out in your career, because as you move up, you will just automatically be more respected and automatically people will look to you to give your opinion and your input. But as somebody starting off where you might not be noticed right away, it can be helpful to take that approach. Mm, I love it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And the final question, a little bit of context is that I started the show because I went through so many struggles in my 20s when I was trying to figure out all of the things that you have to figure out as a young woman starting your career. Yeah. And it was it was a tough time for me. And I started the show so that if anyone else is at that point, hopefully I can reach them and make them feel a little bit better and make them feel like they have what it takes and that things are going to turn out really well. So I want to give you the floor to share anything that you would want women to hear. Hmm. Okay. So I guess because I talk a lot about interviewing and really that process of actually getting your foot in the door and getting your first job, I would say that I think something really important that can get lost in all of the prep and all of the logistics of the job search process is really letting your personality shine through in an interview. I think, like I said before earlier, I think a lot of companies are really hiring based on a personality fit and a culture fit. And that's kind of something that I think started with the startup culture, but it's spread, it's spreading to more corporate companies too. So I think you'll find it in a lot of, in across a lot of industries. And I think you don't always have to be so buttoned up in, in the interview. You can make a little joke. You can really let, let some personality show. And I have a little bit of a funny story about, about where I kind of first learned about this. And it's kind of a crazy story. I can't even believe it's real. But 
my probably I think this might have been my very first job interview ever and I'm talking like I think I was like 15 applying for like a part-time job and it was at a um a ice cream chain and so I'm in this interview and it's a group interview and there are probably like 15 other kids there and the people interviewing us are just older kids so it's like these (laughs) 20 year olds at the oldest interviewing like these 18 to 15 year olds so it's just crazy and they went around and they asked questions and the questions were like like the one that I remember (laughs) and this will I guess date the story too they're like what does ride and dirty mean like from the song (laughs) and they asked that to, I don't know if they asked it to me. I I was so freaked out in this interview. I don't remember what they asked me. I think they asked this to another girl. And she just like stared at them. And I don't know what they asked me. And I don't have any memory of what I said. So it must have been terrible and very oh traumatic. God. But I remember I came home and I told my parents how it went. And I was just like, I don't understand. Like, how is that a job interview? what was I supposed to say? And I think they were like, Shay, like, I think they were really interviewing to see if you're, if you're going to be a good personality to work at the ice cream store. Like, are you fun? Are you welcoming to people? And that was the first experience. I mean, that was forever ago, but that was the first experience I had where they don't care. Like maybe they don't even care if you're going to show up on time or call off or (laughs) I don't count the drawer correctly. They just want a good personality in there. And I feel like that's more true than ever. And obviously that is such a crazy situation, but in a regular normal interview, I think it's okay to let some personality show. I think the million dollar question here is, did you get the job at the ice cream shop? Oh, absolutely. Yo, you didn't. No, no, no. I did not. I, I can't, like, I do not remember what I was asked or what I said. I think... I was very shy at this age, so I think I probably just like mumbled something under my breath and probably only got one chance to say something and they were like, we don't need to call this girl back. Oh my gosh, this this story is so bizarre. It's like- It's so weird, isn't it? You were so young, they were so young. It was crazy. I kind of want to go and interview because I can totally pass for being 15 still. I'm going to (laughs) like- Give it another try. Yeah, I'm going to like- hand in my application and see if they still interview like that because I'm so curious redemption and then be like suckers I don't want the job anymore (laughs) I was just testing you that's so funny revenge oh my god yeah I love that it it stuck with you it totally did and I always remember that and I've had other experiences like that too personally in school where I was very formal and very buttoned up and just answering the question and giving the right answer, but people want more than the right answer. They want to really get to know you. They want to know who they're going to be working with all day. Like you're going to be sitting next to them all day long, all year long for years and years and years. They want to have a good person working with them. Mm, Makes so much sense. It's You and I are really similar because like my episode one for this is going to be all about like my shyness and just really, really struggling to let personality peek through and like just hiding and being introverted. And sounds like we went through some of the same things and have some of similar dispositions. Yeah, I've had experience, another experience in college, which is a lot closer than that crazy ice cream interview. 
but I had, I think it was like a one-on-one professor, student check-in type thing. And the professor told me, she was like, you have no personality. You're not going to make it in this industry. And I don't see how you're going to make it. You have no personality. And I have a big personality. If you ask my friends, my family, I've never been told that I have, that I'm a wet blanket before, essentially. And, but then I can see, and I was of course upset. And I think that's also an unprofessional way to handle students and, you know, being a professor, there's definitely good ways to give constructive feedback, but it's okay. Because I think that was after I got over the emotional response to that, I think it was really constructive for me because I always thought that, you know, I'm, I was raised in the Midwest, like be very polite, be very proper if people ask you a question, you tell them the answer. It's not all about ego and you know showing off and all of that. But I think there is definitely a way to not make it you know some big ego thing. But you you can just let a little bit of yourself shine, and I think it definitely pays off. And it's something that I I'm still working on, but I know I've gotten so much better at. I love that. Yeah, there's so many ways to be good at something, and so many ways to have strengths, and there's not just one model. That yeah. only works, which is what the story is a lot of the time. Yeah, 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 for sure. I totally agree. And that's something too that I help people with is like finding their way to handle things because, like you said, it's not one way for everybody. I love that so much. Thank you so much. And thank you for being such thank a good example of you. being authentic <laughs> and still powerful and finding ways to get your voice heard. Oh, I really you so love much. it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Shay. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope that it was helpful. If you are enjoying the show, I would love, love, love it if you could share the show with a friend or rate the show or write a review. Whatever you feel compelled to do to support me makes me feel so awesome and is really, really helpful and appreciated. And I wanted to let you know that you can submit a listener question to be answered on the show. So if there's something coming up for you at work and you don't know what to do or you'd just like to hear someone's perspective on it, send me your questions and there's a pretty good chance that they'll pop up on the show. You will be totally anonymous. You don't have to think of like a clever sign-off name. I can help you with that. I, I like the funny names, but it can be simple. Don't worry about that or I can help you come up with a funny one. You'll be completely anonymous. I'll match your question to someone who has as much expertise in that area as possible, and hopefully it'll be helpful. So if you want to submit a question, there are two places that you can do that. You can send me an email at jessica at theartofspeakingup.com, or you can DM me on Instagram. Handle is theartofspeakingup. Again, you will be totally anonymous. I'll put the contact info in the show notes so that you can see it. Thank you for tuning in. I will catch you next week for a conversation about mindset and positivity and how to get unstuck and make work just more fun and playful and positive. It's a really fun one. It's super interesting and insightful and enjoyable. So we'll catch you in that episode and have an incredible day.